You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, hey, long time no see, and welcome back to another episode of Flying. Seriously feels so great to be back in the swing of things, sharing the music that I love with the community that I truly care about. I'm so excited to say that I'm booked through April. There are just so many great bands that I want to talk to that it's almost not even a blessing for me, because that means I have to say no to so many more, and I really hate doing that. I honestly feel the pull to release more than one episode a week, but I know that's just not quite sustainable for me. So for now, I'm going to have to reel myself in a little bit and make sure that I continue bringing you as many great conversations as I can. I'm super excited also to be expanding into some new genres. I just confirmed an interview with my very first hip-hop guest for the show. So that'll be coming in a couple months, and I think that's going to be a really sweet one. And also, just in general, like, since this is kind of a soft reset of the podcast, I'd love to know what people want, you know, from these intros. I feel like I've kind of been a little bit all over the place, whether I talk about the artist specifically. I tried the What's the Buzz with my friend Joel Funk for a little bit. But yeah, let me know what you want to hear. Do you want to know what I've been listening to? Do you want me to shout out some new releases? The show is just as much yours as it is mine, so I would love to know, you know, what you want to see more of, what you want to see less of, you know, just what you think will best complement the conversations that I'm having. And leading into that, the conversations I'm having today is with Jail Socks, who released, you know, one of the best emo EPs in the last few years with It's Not Forever. Last year when we had this conversation, they had just released their debut full-length Coming Down, which is, you know, honestly, it's kind of a departure from It's Not Forever. It was not, you know, the sound that I was expecting, the sound that I'd kind of fallen in love with. It was very much, you know, kind of this change to a more pop-punky side of things. Um, Definitely, like, it's, I mean, after a few listens, I certainly, you know, fell in love with it just as much. It's, like, kind of a huge rock record in many ways. Um, So our conversation focuses a lot on this change in sound, um, on all the effort that they put in through the demos, working collaboratively in the studio with Brett Romness, you know, the kind of theme throughout the album and this idea of epic closers. So this is a really fun one, another one recorded before the hiatus, and I'm really stoked to share it with you. So here's my conversation with Jail Socks. I feel like coming down is like maybe not quite a departure, but it's definitely a different direction than it's not forever. And I kind of wanted to just start by asking like how you would describe the album to someone who's already a fan of Jail Socks versus uh, how you describe it to someone who's like a new listener. Hmm. Um, I guess it's like, it is a huge departure from like the twinkly stuff that we're used to. I guess I would just be like big rock and roll. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I I would describe it as just like a little more mature than like the stuff that was already out. Yeah. Like I feel like 
a little more developed. Yeah, it's it's a lot. I don't know. We thought about the songs as songs rather, or I guess it was like we spent a lot of time on each song individually, but still considered the album as a whole, uh, which is something that we've never done before. So I don't know. It was just it's a lot more. Um, it's a mature take. For sure. Yeah, and I'm curious, like the the teasing of LP one I feel like was so long it was probably I think it was like a year after the recording was done that it was finally released what made a uh, peace of mind like the right fit to kind of usher in the new era of jail socks um, I think we felt like it was it had enough of like the energy of the old stuff to kind of like help ease like someone who's already a fan of the band into the the new kind of sound because like there's a little bit of like the twinkly riffs from the old stuff yeah and there's like it's kind of yelly you know it's um it's which, also um simple yeah easy, easy to grasp i guess so it, we just felt like it was definitely the easiest song on the record that we could choose that is a good transition between sounds yeah and i mean it seems like working with brett Robbins for the production of the album seemed to kind of like really expand how you looked at your music and kind of like you were saying like focus more on the, the songs themselves and also how they fit as an album can you talk about like that that process a little bit yeah um we we made demos for the entire album i think we came in with 12 or 13 songs and when we got there Brett was like okay cool we're gonna play one song at a time and then I'm going to completely rip it apart. Um, <laughs> I'm going to gut it and we're going to add stuff. So it was, it was kind of like adding a new writer um, into our band. Like we, we were basically a, um, a five piece with Brett Romnes and uh, Rob Chiarapa, who was the other engineer on the, uh, the assistant engineer on the record. And they both really uh, acted as if they were members of the band and writers. Um, every day it was it was them coming up with ideas and us coming up with ideas together and saying no to each other and saying yes to each other. It was, it was a really, it was really cool to have another, another brain on something we'd been like, fo- like laser focused on for almost a year at that point. Yeah. Cause I feel like at, at that point we've been like doing demos for like, probably like eight or nine months. Straight. It was, it was a while. Yeah. Like every other day. And we were like super caught up, like with our own shit, you know, like, really in our own heads about it so like when they like got their perspective on it and like told us what they thought we could change about it it was it was pretty eye-opening after being like stuck on the same stuff for months and months and we were worried too that we weren't going to have enough material so it was kind of like we need to write the song uh okay whatever it's done you know what i mean so we didn't really get to focus as hard on each individual song as we should have probably so it was nice to have have bread you know force us into that and did that that kind of like working relationship did that come really naturally in the studio or was it was there a little bit of a tension at first well so we had never worked with like an actual like producer before like someone who like tells us what they think could be better so at first it was definitely like a little jarring because like like i said we were in our own heads about these songs and we were kind of like set in the way that they were yeah we're musicians, so we're hard-headed. Yeah, <laughs> there's like some there's some pride with like it's like it's my song, you know. I want to do it my way, but I I think we quickly got over that once we realized, oh, this guy's a genius. Yeah, and these yeah. songs are gonna and be it, like ten it, times better. Yeah. And that like pushback was probably it. Probably lasted like an hour. 
Yeah. Like it was like, yeah, we were there for almost a, a month. We were there for like three weeks and some change. And so maybe like the first hour was a little awkward, yeah. but um, he's a super, super sweet and talented guy. Incredible. Um, so it was, it was pretty easy to let go of like the pride we had with the songs. Nice. Yeah. And I'm curious, what were, what were some of the songs that kind of like transformed the most or some of the sections that you're like most happy with how they came out? Um, I think one of the biggest ones is Pale Blue Light was not like soft for like the most part. Yeah. It was like before we went in there. It, it was like, like it, would tra- it would go back and forth between being quiet and soft. And like, now the entire song is like pretty soft. Yeah. The original demo we had just had like the opening verse or whatever was soft and then the rest of it was like pretty loud. And then, like, there was a lot of, uh, uh, we sped up the song as well in the, in the demo. At the end, um, it, like, ramps up and, and gets a lot faster. And he was like, no, 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 we're not doing any of that. Uh, <laughs> just chillax for a second. But the biggest change, I think, was Kelly Light. Or, or, sorry, not, I just, you just said that. Point Pleasant, sorry, too many Ps. Oh, yeah. Um, Point Pleasant was a completely different song like point, point pleasant and spinning uh before we went to the studio were like entirely different songs yeah and we wrote like new verses new choruses for those songs in the studio and wrote the lyrics yeah to those we had to write lyrics and melodies and stuff because the, the songs were so different and i'm really stoked how they turned out those are two of my favorite songs in the record yeah, it's funny. You're mentioning like all the songs that I have specific questions about. So I'll uh, I'll start with Pale Blue Light because I feel like that one really shows like the range of the band, especially with like the falsetto vocals and how it kind of like nicely fits into the as like the ballad on the record. Can you talk a little bit about, I guess, just like that in general and like also like the place on the album, like how you were talking about how you were kind of, you know, paying more attention to the album as a whole as well. I think like we just really, really wanted like a soft song yeah because we, we our entire repertoire up until now has been just you like know, hard-hitting yeah like yelly stuff false of the wall emo um <laughs> uh, and we we love dad rock i'm a, I'm a dad rock fiend love ballads <laughs> yeah so yeah we felt like we really needed one of those and as far as like the placement we really wanted that to be like the side a closer mm-hmm. yeah it, like give people a break um before it's time to flip the record because um, we're like we're really into like big like theatrical endings to mm-hmm. stuff so like i feel like it just makes sense to have that be like the big climax for side a um yeah yeah and you and you have like four there's a five I don't, I don't even know how long the record is um <laughs> there's like several really like in your face songs from start until pale blue light with maybe the exception of point pleasant um right. but it's still pretty like yeah yeah so we thought it'd be nice to have in the middle of the record before someone gets up to turn the vinyl over um they can relax a little and not have their ears be just absolutely assaulted with big chords and uh fast drums and stuff yeah i mean talking about that kind of like eye for you know an epic closer uh, i feel like coming down certainly delivers in that way it has you know almost this the feel of like Straylight runs existentialism on prom night or like Constantine by something corporate or something. Can you talk a little about like how that one came together? That was uh, the last song I think that we like wrote before mm-hmm. we went to the studio. And yeah, like I said, we, I felt like we needed the big closer, you know, cause the only like truly like proper like collection of songs we had out before mm-hmm. that was it's not forever. And we had steering wheel on that, which is like, six minutes long it's a whole thing <laughs> yeah and um 
I felt like we didn't have a song like that yet. So before we went to the studio, I just kind of threw it together out of what I like thought was like necessity just to tie in all like the, the themes. Yeah. Yeah. It's got a, it's got a, the record has an over a whole overarching theme of like drugs and what it means to be like addicted to them, what it means to, you know, be addicted to them and then not have them. You know what I mean? Um, and then there's a lot of um, self-realization that comes with that kind of stuff. So we definitely wanted to tie that theme in because caving in is the same way, like same theme, same lyric. It's it, Caving in is more like giving into it, right? Like, like okay, cool. This is just how I'm going to be. And then coming down is more like, fuck. Yeah, like, like wow, I, I don't know if <laughs> this is the, the right way to, to do things. Um, so thematically, it, we wanted it to be on the end of the record and it, and we, like Aiden just said, we dad rocks. So, uh, <laughs> giant ballad closer is, is always fun. Nice. Yeah. And I mean, can you talk a little bit more about that kind of like the thematic overarching of the album? Because I feel like it's really much, it's very much presented as kind of like, this is what's happening as it's happening. And I'd love to hear about the kind of like journey of the album and kind of also what you hope listeners will get from it. Well, I think I've just been like super obsessed with, the concept of like the passing of time right because you can't escape it and it's terrifying so i feel like all the songs that i write are like typically about that in some way like positive experiences negative experiences yeah and like to be more literal like with with the drug theme each song you know we have songs about uh friendships and and both positive and negative right with like Point Pleasant being a positive song. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of inward reflection with songs like No Ground and stuff, um, which, which is something that comes with drug addiction and like the passing of time, right? It's like, yeah, we, if you can feel it like going throughout the album, lyrically at least. Um, like these are all of the ups and downs of, of this experience that, you know, our narrator, us, um, yeah. have been dealing with for, you know, many years mostly just like getting older and like learning what's what yeah learning learning how to how to act as a human being and just naturally and struggling with that yeah i feel like uh one of the most specific instances of that is on the run it feels like this real kind of like coming to terms with growing up song right yeah absolutely like i you know should i be in an office right now like i would hate that (laughs) We, we like think about this kind of stuff all the time like when you're like trying to do music, you're trying to do the thing and like push yourself as hard as you can, especially like last year when we were writing and like everything was shut down, we were like, like, damn, like, is this really it? Like, can we do this forever? Yeah. So, um, and that, and that can, it, that extends to any kind of like not quote unquote normal career choice, right? Like someone tells their parents, Hey, I'm going to go to art school and their parents get really mad at them about it you feel like a pressure to not do the things you want to do because people around you, you know, they're just not about it. You know what I mean? They're moving away. Everyone's moving away. Right. And you're kind of stuck doing like what you want to do. And sometimes it feels like you just can't, and maybe it's not the best idea, but you know, we do it anyways. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and now that, you know, you're kind of at that next stop step in the process where it's like the album is out and you have tours on the horizon. How are you kind of like feeling about, you know, your place in the world or in the music industry or however, you know, whatever your, you know, kind of 
wherever you're putting yourselves. Excited? I'm feeling a little optimistic. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, normally I don't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The reception seems to be like pretty good. People like it. Um, I'm excited. I just, I miss playing music live and I don't know. I like being on tour with my, my best friends and, and experiencing emotions with a group of people every night. It's very, uh, it's very cathartic. So yeah, we're feeling, feeling pretty good about it right now. And uh, it's not forever. Like feels so much like this fall kind of like dark night, uh, first dark night where you're kind of like, you need a hoodie and you're like crunching, you can feel the crunching of leaves under your feet, both coming down, feeling so different. I'm curious, like what you feel like the right setting for the album is. I think we wanted a summer record. Yeah. Yeah. You Windows know? rolled down, riding down the highway, still being sad, of course. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but like we like wind in your hair type, you know, sun on your skin was the kind of the goal. There are songs that do not feel like that at all, but, um, I think the majority of the record is, to me, very uh, uh, upbeat and bright. It's what I kind of imagine. You're hanging out with your friends in a car, you know. For sure. The, and uh, if you're too sad, the, the sweat can hide your tears. Of course. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I feel like Point Pleasant is kind of like almost the embodiment of that uh, kind of feeling in a way. It's like this sickly sweet love song, you know, even more so than something I expected to hear from Jail Socks. How did that one kind of come together? Well, um, for the same reason that we wanted, we felt like we should have a slow song because like, I think we never like explored that range of emotion. You know, we, we felt like we needed a happy song and it, it like felt good to get it out, mm-hmm. you know? Because we're everyone's, you know, human as much as pessimistic as, as uh, we can all be in our the, our good Lord's year of twenty twenty one. We still we still have good times yeah, and we, we still love things. people. Yeah, you know, you know, we love each other and we love. We just wanted to explore explore like that side of things. Yeah, as opposed to just making the whole record sad. Yeah, yeah, because our entire repertoire is extremely sad. So uh, being able to be like, okay, cool. Just so you know, we're human beings. Um, <laughs> here, here's a happy song. We, we have a range of emotions. We swear. Yeah. <laughs> we're not, we're not um, wearing all black uh, and smoking cigarettes in the corner by ourselves all the time. <laughs> nice. Yeah. And um, I feel like spinning has like really the most kind of like pop sensibility on the record. I, I can't really put my finger on why, but for some reason it reminds me of like an All-American Reject song or something like that. Like not in a bad way though. Um, can you talk a little about kind of like that side of the of the music? Wow, we just wanted something fun. It was so fun. We were scared um, to put that song on the record. Yeah, we, d- we described it in the studio as like a funky song. Yeah. Like, kind of like Jonas Brothers-y. Yeah. But a lot, of, a lot of credit for that song goes to, Rob Chirapa, yeah, um, the assistant engineer, because we were um, we were really struggling with that one in the studio, and we ended up rewriting all like the verses and like switching up the chorus, and we kind of like didn't know where to go with it, and we had like one late night where it was just us and Rob in the studio, and we like set up where we all had our instruments and we just like worked through with him, and he is a big pop guy, like big like nineteen seventy five like style of production with him and he just like he saw like the vision that we wanted to have like a super upbeat like disney channel song and he like walked us through realizing that yeah Yeah. um it was it was very scary (laughs) to to say the least but you know so far it seems like everyone's favorite so i'm stoked on that scariest part of the scariest part of the song was the wah pedal 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like as much as, you know, the album feels like, you know, it, it feels very much in the realm of like the modern pop punk sound. I also feel like, you know, you mentioned dad rock and I also feel like it would kind of like fit right at home in the early like 2000s pop punk, like indie rock side of the scene. I'm curious, just like, how did your influences kind of change during the writing of this versus, you know, the previous material? Well, I tell, I tell everyone before we started writing this record, me and Coleman and Jake too, um, we, we all got really into Third Eye Blind. <laughs> not, definitely not me as much as Coleman and Oh yeah. I do love Third Eye Blind. I like got obsessed with Third Eye yeah. Blind. And I got <laughs> obsessed with like that whole vibe of like mid to late 90s, early 2000s, like radio rock, like Third Eye Blind, Matchbox 20. Jimmy like, World. Jimmy World kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Maybe even like a, like a sprinkle of The Fray. Just oh, yeah, like, maybe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I feel like a lot of those bands get, like, written off as um, corny, which they are, like, undeniably corny. But, I like but corny. like, <laughs> it's great music if you, like, get past that, yeah. like, hurdle. It's, like, how our production and, and songwriting has matured. What we listen to on a regular basis has changed a lot, you know, going from, like, bedroom recording DIY bands, um, which we still listen to, um, but like just falling in love with corny lyrics and, and, and tight guitar tones and massive drums, um, just having fun. You know what I mean? Yeah, I got into Nickelback recently. Oh yeah. <laughs> Nickelback, Nickelback's been a mainstay since I was about, um, six months old. Um, yeah. <laughs> I feel like we did, we wanted, we wanted to like get the, the sound across that like, we're like kind of like shameless about our corny uses. Yeah. And we, and we grew up as like metal kids and pop punk kids anyways. Um, so like, it's always going to bleed through. Yeah. We, we like clanky guitar tones and like overproduced drums. It just, it's just fun. That's what we like. Yeah. I, I grew up, I was born in 93. So I grew up like as a nineties kid, but I wasn't into like the rock scene until like middle school because I grew up on country. So I feel like all of that like late 90s, early 2000s stuff is like just not in my kind of uh, like I don't know that much about it. So like when bands start like feeling like I feel like a lot of bands lately have mentioned like, you know, like you said, they're eye blind and stuff as like influences. I'm just like. I, I don't see it, but I enjoy this music. So maybe I should go check that out at some point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're, they're goofy. It's corny. I, I recommend it though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. um, and then on the kind of like back end, one of the, the big changes between It's Not Forever and Coming Down is the, the switch from No Sleep to Counterintuitive. I'm curious how that kind of relationship started and how, how you're feeling about it. Um, well, I, we felt like, at a certain point in the relationship, uh, we didn't really like see eye to eye with Chris from No Sleep and like how he ran things. There's definitely no bad blood or anything. And um, we just felt like we we wanted to put the record out somewhere else. And yeah. Jake Solzer came through and uh, helped us get out of that contract. Yeah. And uh, we just wanted to work harder than we were able to yeah. uh, is all. And I think Chris saw that. So he let us go. Um, and we went to uh, Counterintuitive and we've been working hard as hell because <laughs> Dan Pilzer wants to work hard with us. And it's been really, really great. Super great. Nice. And what are some of those like higher benchmarks that you've wanted to hit and some of them that you have hit? Um, well, we wanted to, first of all, we wanted to write a massive rock record. Um, <laughs> and, and that was, uh, uh, I felt like 
it was a little easier to for other people um, to kind of leave that on their palate. Um, I don't think Chris was that excited for us to do that. Um, he loves the album and and he loves us. I don't know, just the way and, and the way we were rolling out the out the plan to roll out the album um, on No Sleep was a lot different than the plan that Counterintuitive had. Um, I think we just kind of saw whatever Counterintuitive wanted to do as a lot more at, on our level, I guess, and what we want to do, like singles and you know music video and stuff like that were never even kind of mentioned before, but now they are. So we're really stoked on that. And certain kind of tours and stuff have come with the counterintuitive record and or counterintuitive uh, record contract. Yeah, I don't know. There's, I, I think we just, we feel like we fit more in this corner of the scene. Yeah, for sure. Nice. Yeah. And, um, you know, you mentioned like the, the overarching, you know, feel of the album. How, did, how what was the process like for, you know, choosing which singles to, uh, to release? Um, yeah. So like we said, with Peace of Mind, it was, um, it was honestly purely just to, it was a musical transition. Like it was purely to let people know, Hey, it's a little different. It was um, a, like a pretty obvious choice for us for like the first single. Yeah. I think we all just knew, like we didn't really need to have a conversation about the first single, mm-hmm. but there was a lot of debate about the second single. <laughs> yeah. we, we asked a lot of people cause we were in between spinning and sick weather. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Both like pretty big, like departures from the old sounds. Um, I guess scary. <laughs> yeah. And, and the reason that was, those are the two is because um, I sing a lot on this record and that is not something that has happened before with jail socks. So we wanted to put out a song that I sing so that, um, you know, people can get used to that, yeah. <laughs> that idea of uh, you're not only going to hear Aiden the entire time <laughs> um, as much as we don't want to. Um, <laughs> but so there was a lot of debate about it, but sick weather felt like the most, um, you still have like a, an emo sensibility, I guess, with the with the uh, open picking of the chords and right. stuff. Um, you also got a butt rock guitar solo. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we were like, cool. Here's we have a little bit of emo, but can we please give you some dad rock right now, please? <laughs> um, so it was it was more of like trying to help people uh, come to terms with what Jill Sox is going to sound like. <laughs> uh, and you mentioned, you know, kind of how spinning was one of the ones you were most afraid to release and also ends up being, it seems to be one of the ones that people are most excited about. Um, or are there any other kind of like surprises with, uh, you know, once the album was fully out to the world? I think I'm, I'm surprised that people like the blue light as much as you. Yeah, definitely. That's a big one. Yeah. It's, it's such a, a, a ballad, you know what I mean? It's such a rock ballad and that was pretty scary. I also felt like people weren't going to like Point Pleasant, oddly enough but people seem to be digging it. Yeah, it's my favorite song on the record. Um, but uh, I, mean, I, I, I think, can see why Aiden was so scared of it. I wasn't, I wasn't scared at all. <laughs> that song's awesome. <laughs> but I, I do think spinning was like kind of like a big shock. It was the, I, it, I expected yeah. a, a bit of like pushback from like, I guess like- Emo elitists. Emo elitists, you know. Yeah. Um, being like, oh my god, they sold out. No, I just really like the Jonas Brothers a lot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I see. I feel like you know things are really the, the, the last few years. There's been just like this explosion of kind of like different sounds within the scene, and it's been really cool to see people start to accept that like more and more. Yeah, I think we have Gami to thank for that. Uh, or Gami Angel. Nice. Yeah, I love them. <laughs> um, 
And then I always like to wrap up the same way, which is just by asking for a piece of advice or something you've been thinking about that you want to share, whether it's music or life or anything else. Um, tell your friends you love them. <laughs> you know, that's, that's number one for me. I tell Aiden I love them all the time. And uh, listen to Jimmy Eat World and Third Eye Blind or die sad about them. <laughs> 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 uh, and I don't know what, it, what kind of advice Aiden has. Advice. Drink I think, water. I think you really nailed it. Yeah. With that one. Do drink water. Do drink water. You will. Maybe it won't make you happier, but you won't be in pain all the time. And also, see us on tour. See us on tour. <laughs> Run on tour. Home safe and arm's length, baby. You'll Yes. Yeah. We're gonna. It'll clear your skin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're. I. I've been hearing talk that we are the the world's best COVID vaccine. So. <laughs> um. <laughs> nice. And I mean, is there anything else that we haven't uh, hit on about the record that you've been really itching to get out? Um. Thanks for listening, dude. Like, it's so good. And I, I'm so stoked on it. I love it. You know what I mean? I'm glad people love it. Um, we were we were pretty iffy on whether or not people would like it, but we made something we really enjoyed. So I'm glad everyone enjoys it with us. Yeah. Coming out of It's Not Forever, it certainly wasn't what I was expecting. But like once I was able to get like those two or three like full album listens in, I was like, yeah, this is this is still the good shit. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a uh, it's definitely an acquired taste for sure. Um, when coming from it's not forever and there we go another episode in the bag i feel like there's a lot of buzz for coming down but maybe because of the hiatus and kind of stepping back from things for a little bit i feel like i didn't see a ton of talk about it once it was released so of this conversation sheds some light on it and continues to bring you know attention to it because it really is a great album within its own right we'll be back next week with another sweet episode this will be the last one recorded before the hiatus and I'm super stoked to bring that to you and bring you brand new content because there's so much music that I'm super excited about this year and that I kind of missed while I was away that, you know, I'm still catching up on a little bit. Just to share a couple more things that I've been really excited about lately, um, non-music related, actually. Today, the day before the podcast goes up, I picked up the brand new issue of Saga by Brian K. Vaughn and Fiona Staples. It's my favorite comic book ever, I would say. It's pretty safe to say been on hiatus for two and a half years now um and i'm just so excited to read this new issue it's a comic that deals with themes of war love racism sexism violence transgender issues and so much more and it's truly one that i would recommend to anyone even if you've never read a comic book in your life i've also been re-watching breaking bad and that show is just basically perfection um and then i guess music related a little bit i've been finding a lot of really cool music on tiktok lately some of my favorites would be mel bryant and the mercy makers which is very much in line with this podcast kind of like a little bit you know it's like indie rock a little bit of edge and i just really highly recommend them jay pitts uh shares his stories of when he used to work in the psych ward as well as some really awesome hip-hop songs and then the one that i've really love the energy of is Akintoye, um, his song Respectfully. I, I didn't think there was a song that could get me as pumped as Set Your Goals as Mutiny, but that is 100% one that does, and you should check that out right now because that song goes so hard. And yeah, I mean, that's about all I have, so feel free to hit me up on Twitter, like I said, if you have any suggestions for what I should be doing with this intro and outro. I really want to, you know, make this something that's interesting for you in addition to the conversations I'm having specifically. So have a great week until next Thursday, and I'll catch you back with another new episode then. Why on the Call is brought to you by Sound Talent Media. 
Special thank you as always to The Alternative for helping promote the show, Jariah for the theme song, and Michaela Jane for the artwork. You can keep up to date by subscribing to the podcast and following the show on Twitter and Instagram at FlyingTheCallPod. Feel free to email any questions, comments, or other feedback to me at FlyingTheCallPod at gmail.com. You are loved. Hello, Tom May here, host of Future Friday. I've spent the last 15 years on the road with my band, The Menzingers, where I've met all kinds of wild and fascinating people. So I started a podcast. On Future Friday, I talked to fellow musicians about the moments that made them, their passions outside of music, and the curiosities that tie us all together. I've also talked to the likes of UFO researchers, magicians, soldiers, and documentary filmmakers, and I'm constantly searching for folks that can shape and change our view of the world. You can check out Future Friday wherever you like.